Welcome to the Fairfax Church Podcast. We're a community in Fairfax, Virginia, following Jesus. We upload new messages every week, and to learn more about us, visit us at fairfax.cc. Enjoy the message. It is so good to be here with you guys this morning. My name is Valerie Nolan, and I am the Director of Outreach here at Fairfax Church, and I get the honor this morning to introduce our guest speaker to you. Although Camille Melke is not a guest to us, he's very much family to us here. Those of you guys who have been with us for a while might have heard us talk about Heart for Lebanon, might have even heard Camille speak from the stage here, which um, he's done before. So Camille is the founder and the executive director of Heart for Lebanon in Beirut, Lebanon. Um, Interesting enough, um, Lebanon has the highest population of refugees per capita than any other nation in the world. And Heart for Lebanon is on the front lines ministering to these refugees and other marginalized communities and families in Lebanon. Um, I've actually been there a few times myself, so I can attest personally, firsthand, the incredible, incredible work that Camille and his team do on a daily basis. Um, They're ministering with such compassion to these people. They're providing education. They're providing food, clothing. um, And most importantly, they are sharing the gospel with these people. Um, They have churches that are set up. It's amazing what they're doing. And lives are truly being transformed. So um, we've been in partnership with Heart for Lebanon almost since its inception over 15 years ago. And like I said, they are like family to us. Um, As a matter of fact, A couple, a few of Camille's actual family members live here in Fairfax in the Northern Virginia area with us and including the newest member of their family, little Cedar May, who was born five weeks ago. Um, Yes, I know. So, um, So it's very exciting. So we'll be seeing a lot more of Camille around here, I'm sure, which we're thrilled about. So will you guys welcome Camille Melke. Thank you, Valerie. Good morning, church. It's always great to be back in Fairfax, and as Valerie said, always great to be back among family. We have two girls, and both of our girls live in the D.C. and Northern Virginia area, so coming here is like coming to see family, and you are our family. Over many, many years, Fairfax Church have so generously and lovingly cared for both of our daughters, Maylee and Amy, And now that Maylee has her first child and made us grandparents for the first time, Cedar May, as Valerie said, been born now five weeks ago, Huda is here, and I'm not sure she will ever go back to Lebanon. (laughs) So do pray for me because I feel I'm left behind. I'm here enjoying those few weeks. I head back next week, God willing. But uh, pretty soon, I will start feeling lonely. And we will have to figure out a way that Hoda and I will get enough time in Fairfax enjoying our granddaughter and our children at the same time doing the work of God in Lebanon and in the community around us. I know you are in a sermon series and tonight, or this morning, tonight for us in Beirut, so you can tell I'm still fighting jet lag. Uh, For uh, this sermon series today talks about truth. I was once asked to reconcile, in fact, to help mediate between two uh, uh, ministries that have been at odds with one another. And when I use the term odds with one another, it's really an understatement. 
So in order to really understand what was behind all this infighting between two ministries, I decided to meet with the ministry leaders of each institution separately and hear their story. And every story started as such. In a matter of fact, the truth is, each party involved was so convinced that the truth was on their side, and because of that truth, they are not willing to compromise. We think this is strange, right? We think it's very strange for two ministries not to find common grounds, not to be able uh, to reconcile or maybe do some kind of a compromise in order to do ministry. But haven't we done it as well? Though it is hard, we have said it so many times. We have said it so many times. I, we, shall not compromise for the truth. Haven't said it we... Haven't said it I, haven't said it you, where for the sake of the truth, we will stay firm to our convictions for the sake of the truth that we believe is the truth. We, dis we stand firm and not willing to budge at all. We care about truth, no doubt about that. But at times, and in order to strengthen our argument, and in order to start, uh, we start using these terms such as the whole truth and the absolute truth, as if we are trying to say that the others have a half-truth or they have not such an absolute truth or an incomplete truth. Rather than debating the opposing claims to the truth in order to get clear convictions to settle on, or dare I say, we stand firm to the argument of my truth versus your truth. And when it becomes my truth versus your truth, I wonder how we can, in fact, debate on oppositing side of that truth. As I said, we all care about truth. We so much long to know that truth and wonder where we can find it. This one truth that is pure and impartial. This one truth that is unifying and not dividing. This one truth that is everlasting and not temporary. In John chapter 4, we see this Samaritan woman finding truth in Jesus. It's a beautiful story, and I'll be jumping through a few of those verses. We see Jesus starting by striking a conversation with this Samaritan woman. Early on in chapter 4, we realize that what, what a strange setting it is. Here is Jesus talking to a foreigner, a woman... And a Samaritan. In fact, he's talking to the enemy. He's talking to a person he shouldn't be having a conversation with. And Jesus asks this woman to give him water to drink. It's puzzling to me. Why would Jesus, the one who can do any miracle he wants, provide himself with the water he needs, ask this Samaritan woman, again, a person that most probably has a questionable reputation for water to drink. But when we continue and see that the, in the story, we realize that she went to this well at odd times. So when she went to the well at odd times, we need to wonder, why did she do that? Was she trying to uh, make sure that she doesn't encounter other women there who would eventually condemn her for the, her lifestyle? Or maybe on her way to the well, doesn't want to be encountered with the religious figures of that time. 
in all of that, we realize Jesus willing to strike a beautiful conversation with this woman. And instead of condemning her, he accepts her. And when he accepts her, the, continue, uh, the story continues. And the encounter that we experience there helps us realize that her sins have been exposed. No doubt about that. But also acceptance and forgiveness by Jesus was exposed. So the story continues and she asks Jesus for this living water that he says that he will give her. And she said, give me that living water. And you want to think and ask yourself, why is she asking for that living water? Maybe because she doesn't want to be thirsty anymore and does not need to go back to that well and have any conversation with anyone. She's still trying to hide herself and hide her feelings and hide her worries. And we realize there that in that chapter 4, this Samaritan woman first finds truth about herself. She finds truth about herself that she cannot hide on Jesus her sins cannot hide on Jesus anything that he will never eventually reveal. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. She spoke the truth. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is that you have had five husbands and the men you have now is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. She spoke the truth. She found truth about herself. In Jesus, her sin was exposed. But also in Jesus, she realized that she is accepted, that she can have a conversation with him. Second, she finds truth about worship. It's interesting how uh, she is surprised by the response of Jesus. Rather than giving her that living water she asked, he tells her, go and bring your husband and have that conversation. So she realizes, she acknowledges that her lifestyle has been exposed to Jesus, and, and she calls him even a prophet and asks him, you know, where should we worship? Should we worship at this mountain, or should we worship, as the Jews say, in Jerusalem? You see, so often religion confuses people. It confuses people about worship. Worship becomes that ritual. It is about all the places, the ways, the setting, the, the format. And we think by settings, we are worshiping God. In this particular place, then we are worshiping God. She found truth about worship. Because though those differences that at times have turned apart the Jews from the Samaritans, Jesus didn't talk about worshiping at the mountains or worshiping in Jerusalem. In fact, what he said, he addressed the matter of the heart. And he said, yet at time is coming that, and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. For they, they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship it and in truth. It's amazing. It's amazing how many times the church, religious figures, communities of faith push away individuals because they are focusing on what is the setting and not what matters. In Jesus, 
the Samaritan woman found truth about worship. And third, in Jesus, she found truth about him himself. He is the Messiah. You see, as she continues that story in chapter, as we continue that story in chapter 4, we realize that she is even more confused, the Samaritan woman, and she needs clarity and admits that this clarity would eventually be revealed to her when the so-called Messiah will come. And then Jesus tells her these beautiful words. The woman said, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Have you had that moment where you were expecting Jesus to be your friend? And there's nothing wrong about that. Jesus being your comforter, and there's nothing wrong about that. Jesus being your, uh, your supporter, the one that vindicates you, vindicates you in front of others, and there's nothing wrong about that. Sometimes we want to give a one small definition of who Jesus is. And in here, Jesus reveals all the truth about himself. I am the Messiah. I'm the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. I'm the one that everyone is expecting. I am the Savior. I'm the one who would reveal the truth. And then continues, we realize that not only she finds truth in Jesus, but also if we go several chapters further, in chapter 14, we even realize that the disciple Thomas finds truth in Jesus, that he is the way. He is the truth. Thomas said to him in chapter 14, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. The Samaritan woman finds truth in Jesus. It's that same truth that Jesus spoke about in John chapter 8, verses 32. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It's that truth that will set us from the bondage of traditions, the bondage of expectations, the bondage of sin. The Samaritan woman finds truth about Jesus. He is the Messiah. He is the truth. Hard for Lebanon came to existence to answer that same one question about where can we find truth. You see, we minister and work in a very difficult, very dark community in Lebanon and the Middle East. We are called to serve both the locals and the refugee population. And in both situations, everyone wants to know that one truth. They want to know that they are following that same right religion. They want to know that the truth is on their side. They want to know that their truth is on their side politically, on their side economically, on their side socially, on their side even uh, uh, in any social economic challenges that they face. They want to claim the truth is theirs and theirs alone. No wonder we have a lot of wars in that region. No wonder we have so many conflicts in that region. From day one in the Middle East and from day one in Lebanon, we realize that there is this conflict about truth. Because everyone wants to claim that the absolute truth is theirs. 
And sometimes as they search for that truth, they find it in further radicalization. They find it in further anger and hatred towards everybody and anybody that does not think and look like them. They're finding in opposing, fighting political parties. They find it in alcohol and use and, uh, of illegal substances. They find it in false religions and false rituals. And today, the community of Lebanon, both the, the local community and the refugee community, is at a major loss. And they are asking that one question, where can we find that truth? Heart for Lebanon exists to help lead people out of that state of despair into a state of hope in Christ and Christ alone. There is no truth outside Jesus. Every hope that we build on in anything that is outside Jesus is a false hope. And every truth that we build on outside Jesus is a missing truth. Heart for Lebanon is there to bring the hope of Jesus Christ in the midst of despair. As Valerie said, we work with little children, with little children who come to our hope ministry centers terrified, scared. They have been indoctrinated with anger. They have been indoctrinated with radical thinking. They have been indoctrinated with hatred of all other religion and all other, other communities. Whether they're locals, they hate the refugees. Whether they're refugees, they hate the locals. And if they are refugees, they might hate the Sunnis, and the Sunnis hate the Shia, and the Shia hate the Kurds, and everybody hates everybody else. Because they think that the truth is on their side and not on the side of anyone else. And they think that the best way to come to truth is by cleansing the communities around them. Little children, if you ask them when they start coming to our school, what do you like to be? They say, we want to be a freedom fighter in order to defend truth. In another word, we want to be terrorists in order to kill anyone else that doesn't believe like us, pray like us, looks like us, walk like us. You ask the locals today, as Valerie also described, Lebanon has the largest per capita house of refugees. In fact, the United Nations recently declared that Lebanon has the densest population of refugees per square mile. So not only we are hosting a large refugee population compared to our, to our own population, but we are also hosting the largest per square mile dense communities of refugees. You can imagine what that causes to the infrastructure, to the economy, to the differences between the uh, different religious groups. Every night, every night today in Lebanon, you hear Lebanese and Syrians fighting each other. Because the Lebanese are convicted with one truth. This land is ours and you need to leave it. And all our miseries are from you. And the Syrians believe the same truth in reverse. You are the reason why we're suffering, and we're going to make you pay. So there has been wars in Lebanon. There has been refugee situations in Lebanon. There has been economic crisis in Lebanon. Today, the currency of Lebanon is 1.5% what it was four years ago. Can you imagine having to live in a situation where your salary is worth, purchasing power is worth only 1.5% what it was four years ago? 
And then you ask yourself, on whose side is truth? On whose side is truth? People are seeking answers and demanding to know truth. And Heart for Lebanon has that one objective only. And that to move them out of that state of despair, that state of misery, that state of fear, that state of worries, and point them to the source of truth. As this Samaritan woman has found truth about herself, uncompromising over sin, but acceptance and forgiveness through Jesus Christ. As this Samaritan woman found truth in worship, rather than putting more rituals and more do's and don'ts and looking at matters of, of presentation and setting, realize it's the matter of the heart. Not long ago, I can't remember, in fact, if I've ever had the experience to worship in one setting where there was a diverse ethnic and religious community in that one room. Recently, just a few hours ago, in both the Zahli Hope Ministry Center and in the Ghazi Hope Ministry Center, one that is on the borders with Syria, another one that is on the borders with Israel, in both of those communities, two church gatherings have taken place, over 700 individuals worshiping, some who come from a Muslim background, Shia, Sunni, Kurds, others are Lebanese, some are Syrians, some come from traditional Christian background, all worshiping Jesus Christ and uncompromising on that one truth that we can only find in Jesus. It doesn't matter who they were before Christ. What it matters is who they are in Christ. It doesn't matter what rituals they had in religion, in worshiping before. It doesn't matter if they had prayed five times or have not prayed before. What matters is that they are worshiping in spirit and in truth. Because it has been revealed to them that there is no truth, there is no salvation but through Jesus Christ. This can only be revealed when you love on, care for, and accept others. This will never happen. If my truth is always versus your truth. This cannot ever happen if we build walls to separate between communities based on what we believe and understand truth. The pictures you see behind you are pictures of a baptism that took place two Saturdays ago. Two Saturdays ago, right before I flew, in fact, I officiated this baptism and rushed to the airport coming over to the United States. Two Saturdays ago, we had 26 individuals from various backgrounds, as I stated, from various communities, both from southern Lebanon and from the Bekaa Valley, congregating in that one church, declaring Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, boldly and clearly in front of many. There is a price for truth. Two individuals could not make it. One Muslim-born Syrian woman. When her husband heard that she will be baptized that evening, he beat her up and locked her in her bedroom. Another young man who comes from a traditional Lebanese Christian family when his family knew that he's going to be baptized in an evangelical church, they threatened 
they will take all his property, his wife, and his children away from him. Declaring that you have found truth in Jesus Christ in some settings can be very risky. And it might cost you your life. And it might cost you your relationship with others. If you don't want to compromise in truth, don't compromise in the truth that is found in Jesus Christ. Not in the truth that you and I desire it to be. When you look at those baptism pictures, you realize that it is worth every minute, every effort, every work that is put in the lives of the 3,400 families that God has called us to serve. On a monthly basis, 25,000 individuals are asking that one question. Where can we find truth? This one truth that unifies and doesn't divide. That one truth that is everlasting and doesn't dissolve in the next few years to come. We realized that hard for Lebanon that in order to answer that one question, we had to live in the presence of the families that God has called us to serve. We had to sacrifice long hours of building relationships as Jesus did with this Samaritan woman. Rather than ignore her, he struck this beautiful conversation with her and showed her acceptance, which invited this beautiful, eventually beautiful conversation about living water and truth. The same is true about us at Heart for Lebanon. We spend hours visiting, loving on, caring for the refugees and the locals. And people ask us, why do you care? Why do you care? Why are you here? Let me remind you, some of you have heard that story. My wife Huda and I been shot at on our wedding day. We survived the running for our life the day we got married. Some people run out of the church enjoying a beautiful honeymoon time. We were running for our life that day. Let me also remind you that the reason why Meili eventually came to the United States and here to Fairfax and this church loved on her and cared for her is because he survived a car bomb explosion in 2013. So we, basically, all I'm saying, we don't care as human beings for others. We have our own pain. We have our own brokenness. We have our own hatred we have our own worries we have our own suffering and the only way that we can love on, on others and strike this conversation of acceptance and forgiveness is if we have accepted Christ ourselves and that we have experienced that forgiveness and we have found the truth in him and him alone in any conversation that we have whether with the locals or with the refugees our answer is this the truth that is in us the love that is in us, the forgiveness that is in us, only comes from Jesus. Only comes from Jesus. If we care, and when we care, we care because we have that one everlasting truth. And that truth that we find in Him and Him alone. You know, as I uh, think about Fairfax, this church, your relationship to the work of the Lord in this city, in this state, all around the world, your pastor today, 
is not here doing ministry globally is because you care. You care to share that one truth with those who are seeking to find it. Because you care to share the truth that you have found in Jesus with the ones who are still seeking to find it. The Middle East today is in major turmoil. I don't need to tell you that. All the news around is about what's happening in our region. Fighting parties and countries, believing the truth is theirs and forgetting that it is only in Christ, in Christ alone. To see change there and here, it would need us to speak the truth in Jesus. To see change there and here, it would require you and I to make some sacrifices. Sacrifices of giving up on what we believe is our truth versus what they believe is their truth and reconcile with one truth that comes from above, the truth that is found in Jesus. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for reminding us that we can only find truth in you. And this is that truth that liberates us, that frees us from bondage, that sends us out with one mission and one heart. Not to invite people to our style of worship, but rather to invite them to worship you in spirit and in truth. Not to condemn others for their sins, but to, that their sins are revealed and in your presence, but that they would experience acceptance from us and forgiveness from you. Father, may we not be compromising on the truth that we find in you and give up on, on the truth that we think is ours. That there is no salvation. There is no way to the Lord the Father, that we will never see the Father except when we see you and accept you. And Father, as we make those commitments boldly and publicly in front of people, whether we make it here or anywhere around the globe, may your heart and love be shine, shine through us and may your protection over, over us. Thank you for this church. I pray blessings on its leadership and everyone in these pews here realizing that they are messengers of your truth locally and globally. We pray all that in your son's name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Fairfax Church podcast. You can find more messages like this on our YouTube channel at Fairfax Church or follow us here. If you were blessed by the message and resources provided, feel free to leave us a review.